Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes with another episode at Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Appreciate you guys so much for tuning into the show. Go with no intro as well on this one, trying to get right into the goods. Um, this time of year, I kind of go back and reflect about bucks that I was after, where I did wrong turns, um, and I dug into um, the buck that I hit a limb on. Um, and it's a buck that I chased around. I have a bunch of trail cam photos of him. going to go into kind of how I got on him, when I found him first, and then when he made a switch and how I game plan to move on him and kind of get into that. And uh, like I said, this is a buck that uh, had a drop tine and was a, a really, really cool buck I called JoJo. And uh, just probably like a mid-150s class deer, had a, a main beam drop, and uh, I made a move on him in October. And like I said, I hit a limb and uh, just kind of going to walk through that situation of how I made that move and was able to get on that deer. Um, that was my number one deer on that part of the farm. There was another giant that was kind of a random buck that I knew wasn't going to be very consistent. But um, let's get into the the big buck breakdown of JoJo. Um, but let, before that, let's get to the people that make this possible, starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, gonna give you the Exodus update. As you know, I got the the rivals out with the SP18 solar panels. Man, having that solar panel, the battery life never going down. Something that you never have to worry about. Um, really, really good asset to add to the inventory with the price of lithium batteries being so high. Um, very, very worth the money. Um, and it was one of those things that you didn't really didn't I really realize until uh, 
until I had it in hand and, and made the switch and then put it on. But anyways, Exodus update, um, got them out and I'm, I finally got some pictures of some Tom turkeys in the area. I do have a fifth season Knox tag coming up for the said area. Um, got a picture of three Toms. So pretty excited to, to get in there and chase those birds. But also, um, I remember when I said I had that cam that was kind of on the property where the property line wasn't there and the neighbor had a trail. Um, said neighbor is a club. And the amount of people pressure is extremely high. Um, so that's something that I'm going to have to kind of think about in the future um, and in season if that's going to be the case. Um, if there's going to be that many people there, it's going to be kind of a spot that's kind of a wash in general um, because it's just going to be uh, – there's going to be so many people in and out of that area that they're going to pressure a lot of deer and uh, and force the force the deer to, to do something different when season starts. So that's something I'm going to keep in touch. But um, I am getting turkey pictures on, on the rivals sent to my phone, which is really nice to kind of know where the birds are at. Um, I did get some evening time, which we can't hunt in the evening. Um, but it gives me a good idea of kind of where they roosted that night, which is cool. I can kind of get an idea of where they might be and the game plans of of that, you know, the 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 weekend that I got coming up. I only have the two days to hunt. So if the birds aren't there, I kind of have an idea of where they roosted. If they're not there, then I know probably no birds on the property and time to move on and go somewhere else. So that is the Exodus update this week. Um, if you guys are looking um, to get a new cell cam, check out the rival um, five-year warranty on and theft and damage coverage. Um, best in class customer service cannot be beat in my opinion. Um, best trail camera on the market for cell cam at that price with that warranty can't be beat. All right. Well, let's get into the show, the store, the big buck breakdown of Jojo. So as a lot of you guys know, if you follow my rutcation podcast, um, I mentioned Jojo a couple of times in this and uh, actually had an opportunity at him and hit a limb and missed buck. So um, if you guys aren't familiar with my um, rutcation podcast, I recorded 18 podcasts straight every single day last year and uploaded them um, the day after I hunted. So I'd go out and hunt that day and then I'd post a podcast about what I seen, what moves I made, whether it's a good move, whether it's a bad move and my plans for the next day. And kind of any trail cam info that I had going on, um, any encounters and et cetera. And I plan on doing that this well as this well as year this year as well. Um, but getting into JoJo, this is a buck that I know survived past the last gun season, so good chance that he's alive. Um, but I know where I'll get my first pictures of him more than likely. So the first picture I received of JoJo was on October fifth of last year at four thirty nine a.m. Um, and he's coming out of a pinch point, going to a field. Field's still standing at this time. It's corn. He's coming out, and uh, like I said, it's 4.39 a.m., so more than likely he's getting one last bite of food. And this is on the very far south side of this farm, a, quite a ways away from where I sh- got the opportunity to shoot at this deer. Um, but that was the first trail cam picture I got of him. It's one of those pictures where you can tell it's a nice buck, but it's kind of angled wrong. Got a good frame on it. Got some unique. as G2 bends back. You can see the little flyer drop thing. Good brows. Buck that had my interest, but not a buck that was like, holy shit, this thing's a whopping giant, you know? Um, but 
I'd considered that spot. I didn't know if I was going to keep a cam there or not, but after I got that trail cam picture, decided to keep there and keep, you know, collecting that intel. Um, after that, I received a picture of him on uh, 1018 of him going back in there. So he come out, or no, I'm sorry, he came out on the, he came back in there on the 8th at 247. So he came out on the 5th at 439 a.m. And he's going back in there um, at 247 a.m. on the 8th. So I know this is a buck that's not consistently in that area 100%, but he's somewhere pretty close um, to be on that cam during that time of year. But that is the closest ag to a big block of timber. So in my mind, I'm thinking this might be not a buck that I even have a chance to hunt when actual, you know, rut or late October comes because he's going to frequent south into the timber and not up on that ag. He's just there now. Um, but then he came back on the 18th as well um, at 6.13 a.m. So this is the closest he's been to um, daylight um, going back in there. So I get this picture. It's a little better picture. really shows his frame a little bit better. Um, looks like a four-year-old deer to me, so it's definitely a deer. Okay, he's there. He's past that 15th mark, and that's kind of the make-or-break point for me, whether I think I'm going to be able to hunt this deer during the rut or I'm not going to hunt this deer during the rut. Um, if I have a deer past the 15th, I feel like he stays around, but I do pick up a lot of deer from the 25th to the 30th of October as well. So there's still a chance he's going, but he's been around this long. He's made it past that 15th to 18th buffer. So I feel like it's going to be a deer that I'm going to be able to chase during late October in the rut. Um, so again, going back in on the 21st um, at 643. So he's even closer to daylight. He's really edging here. And um, this wasn't a cell cam, so I got this information later. Um, but if I would have got this, I potentially would have went in there if we had a cold front coming up and, and tried to get a whack at this deer. Kind of a really hard spot to access, um, a pinch point coming off that ag. The field was picked at this time, um, so I don't know if I would have got him on that trail cam. But one thing about this deer, I only got him on two cams on the whole entire property, and I ran seven cams on this property. Um, so it's pretty interesting to know that I only got him on those two cams throughout the whole entire year, even, you know, in October, November, December, January, February, all the way throughout the year, only got him on those two cams. Um, so that would be the last picture that I got of him on that cam. So like I said, that was the south end of the, the property, um, and what it is, is it's kind of a bowl of a field that goes up. There's not a lot of timber on this property, but it has all the ag um, north of the main blocks of timber there. So I was on another buck that's an absolute giant that's, you know, remotely close to there, but not, not crazy far away on a different piece of property. So I was kind of hunting him, waiting to see what's going up. And uh, on October 28th, JoJo shows back up, and he's on a scrape. And this is when I have video mode. And I finally get the full frame of him and realize, you know, what kind of deer he is. Um, he's a really cool deer, got real tall brows. He's got that main beam drop. Um, he's a 10, but he's, he's broke his G4 off on the other side. It's real short now. But his G2 goes up and then goes straight back. He's got real good brows, probably 7-inch brows. Um, but his 4s are kind of weak. So it's another of those deer that, like, next year would be a giant, but he's right there on the fence of – 
really, really, you know, I, I still want to shoot this deer. Still a really cool deer. Really want a deer with a drop time. Here's my opportunity. So that was at 924 on the 28th of October. It's 35 degrees that night. He's coming in. He's hitting the other cam that I said I got him on. So this is the second cam that I got him on, and that's a scrape that's pretty far north of where I've got him on back in uh, mid-October, which makes sense because there's a lot, there's a couple of doe family groups that are up there. So what I'm thinking he was doing, he's going and hitting this scrape and uh, making a plan on, you know, just checking the does periodically and then circling back down to that southern range where he's actually living. Um, then I, I, then again, he's he's on that same scrape on the... 28th and then he's on another scrape or on the same scrape I apologize on the 29th again at 434 in the morning and this is a really cool angle of him he's sideways he's up there he's hitting the licking branch he's all stretched out he's got that rut neck going you know really looking like a stud out there um, and I get a pretty good picture of him one thing I love about video mode is I get to see how he exits um, exits the scrape and how he exits a scrape is towards the area where um, where I got him in the pictures in October. You know, he's he's there's a water pinch there, so he's going to have to go around the water to get there. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, this is this is how he's he's getting around this property. He's circling around. He's doing a big loop, and he's coming back through these scrapes, hitting him in the morning before he's going back to bed. Is what I'm thinking he's doing. So again. On the 29th, um, he's there at 4.37 a.m. And this this one, he's got his neck back. It's a side view, so you get the back view of him, side view. It's, like I said, he's got that big rut neck all flexed out. Um, like I said, this is that same scrape where he's just periodically been over and over and over. Um, and at this point, I'm bebopping around different properties. He's still nocturnal. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? How can I get on this buck, you know? And then uh, I get that picture of him on the uh, the 28th or the 29th there, that trail cam video of him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those pictures that it is, you know, it is 437 in the morning. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's on the edge of the field hitting scrapes at 420, you know, 430 in the morning. What time was that? Let me Make sure I'm good with what I got going on. I said it three times already. I can't remember. 4.37. So he's there at 4.37 in the morning. Like I said, still pretty far from daylight. But I can get in between where he is and where um, he's bedded normally. So my plan is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to hunt this deer um, that night, the 29th. Okay, I'm thinking, or I'm sorry, the following morning. 30th so I'm thinking where is this deer gonna be it's the 29th I know where he went where can I go in there and hunt him that morning and uh and see where he's at so I go in there make the plan and what I do is like I said there's not a lot of timber in this area of this timber or this property so there's a lot of field a lot of hay field a lot of uh, ag and uh I'm thinking I know he's bedding over here he's got to work this water pinch to get up to these scrapes and this other doe bedding and that's how he likes to do it, kind of making like a big J, you know, like a, a, a you know, oh, an 800, 900,000-yard J from bedding up to hit these scrapes in this doe area. 
and uh you know he's coming back down there and then i'm getting him on the scrapes in the evening going up so i'm feeling like i got a pretty good direction of travel for this deer so i'm trying to get as close as i can to that water pinch because in my mind he's he's hitting that water pinch pretty tight so i do some scouting and there is a pretty good little chunk of timber in this water pinch of where um, I, you know, he's, he's circling through and making that, that J. Um, so I go to it and do some scouting and there's three scrapes. There's one in the very bottom and there's one on the top and there's one on the edge of the field. And the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U S military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. And... It's a little corner pasture field um, just kind of left. I think they might have bailed it in the past, but now it's just kind of a short grass that they brush hog area. And uh, I decide that that morning I'm going to set up kind of in the middle of those scrapes, make a plan, and the water pinch is, is 30, 40 yards off of my property that I can hunt. So the other property owns the water pinch in the corner, and I can't get all the way up against the water. So I decide to, to set back in between those two scrapes and hope that he comes out of bedding that morning, got a nice cold morning, comes out of that bed and hits these scrapes and then goes up into this doe bedding. Because I know he went that direction, you know, at 437 the, the morning before. So I'm either trying to catch him coming back or working back in there one or the other. I know where he likes to bed, and that's to the south of me. So I got that northwest wind working out where it's blowing away, um, and which is which is crazy. I had northwest in the morning, then it switched on me, which is kind of the reason why I was set up where I was. But anyways, I had that wind, so it was working out. I was just edging him, and I seen him go that right down that water pinch. He came off that water pinch around that corner and went right back into that doe bedding, and I caught a glimpse of him. It was one of those mornings where I sat there, didn't see anything. Didn't really expect to see a lot because I'm so close to the ag. Like I'm not in the good timber stuff where you expect to see that morning movement. I'm on the ag where if you get in there, you potentially bump deer out. Um, so I had him loop through that ag or loop through that water pinch and, uh, just edge my wind just barely. I can't believe he didn't win me the way he came in. But he was right on that, and it kind of goes up a big ridge and then drops off into the bottom where the does are bedded. And I watched him go up there. I grunted at him, rattled at him. He looked over there, didn't really seem to – he had a mission of direction he wanted to go. And this was later in the day. This was probably like 9 a.m. So in my mind, I found JoJo, the buck that I'm after in this area, and he is up at 9 a.m. So I'm thinking – Okay, this deer is okay with being up moving, and he's, you know, he's cool, chill in the area. I haven't alerted him going in here and hunting. Um, he did know that I, you know, grunted and rattled at him over here, but 
nothing that was going to really deter him from some, from coming in there and, and scaring him away from the area. So I let him go after I uh, grunted and rattled at him once and he didn't, you know, I watched him for quite a while. He's kind of float away and, and kind of made a plan of how I was going to go in there in the evening. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, he's going to go up in there. He's going to check this dough bedding. If there's a hot dough this early, he's probably going to hang up. If not, he's going to roll back and go back to where he's comfortable, right? He's going to go back to where he knows he's safe. He's kind of doing like a midday excursion. He's probably going to bed up in there somewhere. And then he's either going to go down to the scrape that he's been hitting in the evening, or he's going to go to where he, you know, to where he ne- he never goes, where I've never got him on trail cam. So I have a good idea of there's a line that I'm not saying that he doesn't cross, but he I haven't got him on trail camera and I haven't seen him past this line, you know, um, past this area of timber. So I'm thinking, okay, my best bet is a setup towards the west of him. And the wind switched to the southwest. So I had a uh, good wind where um, I kind of pulled my stand back from that water pinch and I sat right in between those two scrapes. So I'm thinking, okay, if he comes out, if he hits the bottom scrape, I got a 20-yard shot on him. Hits the top scrape, I got about a 25-yard shot on him. Um, and then there's the field edge scrape that's probably about 45, um, which that was the smallest scrape and definitely not as open as any of the others. Um, looked like one of those where a buck kind of got aggressive on the edge of a field and just raked some shit real quick, made a scrape, um, and kind of like a one-time use. So really didn't put a lot of credit in that. So I set up for that southwest wind and I was feeling pretty confident man I felt like I had the good weather I uh was I made a joke on the way in I had a corn hat um and uh, you can't bait in Illinois of course so I said I'm bringing all the big bucks in with this corn hat so I'm gonna wear it into the stand tonight um and just as a joke send it to some buddies and of course I didn't wear it to the stand but just having fun I was out there hunting still early in my recreation um only been off for a couple days at that point and, uh, you know, the high hopes and I'm on a deer, I encountered one this morning and I'm out there just ready to put the time in to, to kill this buck. So I set up, um, did a hanging hunt, like I said, in between those two, uh, two scrapes and, uh, had the wind and felt real good. And probably about 35 minutes before dark, I was kind of getting that, man, it ain't going to happen. You know, I haven't seen anything. Um, I, you know, I don't know, maybe this wind isn't right for the area. Doing all those things where you start questioning what you got going on and what you should have done different and where you're going to go tomorrow. And about that time, in the field to the east, I catch a glimpse of a deer. I pull my binos up, and holy shit, it's JoJo. The deer is coming out of the bedding exactly where I thought he bedded, and he's going to that scrape that he's worked um, in the past. And this time, he doesn't stop and hit the scrape. He just walks right past it, which I thought was weird. He's coming in, he's coming in, and he can walk through this giant ditch or he can go right to this nice little uh, flat and this little oak timber piece and walk right to me. Well, he goes north and drops way down in that ditch, and I lose him for maybe two minutes. Can't find him. Um, and he's probably at 70 yards at this point. And, I, and the ditch runs angling north to south so it's, it would be northeast to southeast angling towards me and um, I'm thinking okay he's gonna hit that ditch get to the bottom and work right out to this ditch and kind of catch that south wind whipping up that ditch edge 
and make sure there's nothing in this bottom to come hit, hit this scrape. That's what I'm thinking. Um, so I'm stood up and I'm trying to verify where this deer went. And all of a sudden he pops up and he's on the very far north side of where I thought he would be. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, like they say, but he utilized that wind to check those scrapes like all big bucks do instead of actually going and working the scrape. Like he just was going on the south side and, and checking all those scrapes in one sweep and that timber instead of actually being in the timber where I thought he would have been. Now, on an opposite wind, you know, on a north wind, I feel like he would have been on right there where I wanted him to be on the north side of those scrapes where I would have had that shot. Um, but since it was a south wind, he was on the opposite side, which something that I've seen bucks do, but I just didn't connect the dots and make it happen that day. So he's on the south side, and he's getting closer. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, he's going to hit this scrape right here, 25, 25 yards, um, and he's going to come in, and it's going to be you know, quartering two shot. I might have to wait, but we're going to make it happen. So he gets probably 50 yards, and he takes a right, and he goes out into the edge of that hayfield where that small scrape is. And the only thing I can think of was maybe, you know, it was getting close and he, the ag was to the, to the south of there. So maybe he wanted to visualize that whole entire field, get an eyesight on that whole entire field and see if there's any does out there. And then scent check those scrapes with that south wind and get all three of them in one pass. So he's going out there. So it's, he's at 40 yards now and he's out in the middle of this, this, shin tall green grass that they brush hog you know not eating just cruising um and he's walking and like i said if you if you realize that he's he's south of me now or he's north of me now i'm sorry that's south side of that field and i got that southwest wind so it's i'm just barely edging him so i got about 15 yards before this buck wins me and i'm thinking he's going to be on the scrapes north you know, to the south of me, the wind's going to be perfect, et cetera, et cetera. No, he's on the very other side of me. So I got to make a plan on when I'm going to shoot this deer. He's in some real thick stuff, trying to get the camera on him. I get drawn back, and I he stops. I don't stop him. He stops naturally. I pick my shot, shoot. I hit a limb. The knock, the knock goes like 60 foot high, it looks like. Don't even know where the arrow went. Couldn't find it. Um, but I dead center hit the top of a limb and just ricocheted that arrow right up and then knock hit the back of it and, and slingshot it up and split that limb about the size of your finger directly in half. And, uh, of course he, you know, freaked out and didn't know what happened and went back 30 yards. Um, and he was just kind of chill and I probably should have just let him be calm and figured out what he wanted to do. Um, but in the heat of the moment, I made a, an air, and when he turned around and kind of was starting to work the other way, I grunted at him, you know, just a real quick burp, burp, just to try to maybe pique his interest just a little bit more, and maybe he turn around and look for a buck, you know, he's cruising looking for something anyways, um, and when I did that, he stopped, blew, and then took off trotting, Stood out in that other field, blew again, and took off running. So I'm thinking, I've completely burned this area. Never going to see this deer again, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but that's not the case. Um, he's back. That was the 30th. So November 2nd, he's back on that scrape at night again at 4.15. So if you if you realize in the morning, he's pretty consistent on this scrape within an hour. Like he likes to be there around that four or five time, um, four or five um, in the morning time period. And then after that trail cam picture of him, so that would be, he ran away from where I, where I seen him and took a shot on him. That would be him coming back to the area that he knew. I did not get another trail cam picture of that dude until late November. So I don't know if I bugged him so bad that he was just completely scared to even go around the area or what, but I didn't get any intel on him for a very long time in that area until, uh, like I said, that late November. And I got a picture of him where, I mean, I, you could almost guess where it's at. It's in the middle of the day, noon or 11 o'clock. I can't remember. I can't find it here. But he's going back into that spot that I had him in October in the middle of the day working that pinch. I ran a camera in that pinch the whole entire year. And you could have sat there every single day, and my, the camera pretty much ran the whole pinch. Not not what you could see, like, you know, far off, but within bow range of that where you could have got a stand. It covered the whole thing, and there's two bucks in daylight the whole entire year that went through that area. And um, one, one was JoJo, and one was a big 10-pointer. And JoJo only daylighted, like I said, that late November day when he went back to where he was in October. So in my mind, he rutted up there. He kind of stayed out of the area where I spooked him. Um, I thought he got killed because I, I, he was pretty consistent on trail cameras, but I'd never seen him on any of the trail cameras again, not on that scrape. But that time of the year, the scrapes kind of die off, and you're not getting the trail cam you know, videos of the bucks hitting the scrapes. Um, so like I said, I got that picture of him going back in there um, late November, and then I got nothing, no pictures of him. And in my mind, he's bred the does in that area. Now he's moving back to where he knows he's safe. Um, and, you know, I was hoping maybe I'll get maybe I'll get lucky and get, you know, one more week of this deer. And maybe he'll daylight late season on this food source because he was there in October. Um, that was not the case. I got one more picture of him December 12th at 5 a.m. Um, let me know that he made it through the gun seasons. Uh, on that same trail camera that I got him on uh, at 5.03, that same trail camera that I got him on in October going back into that area, and I didn't get another picture of him the rest of the year, and I ran cams there all the way through February. Um, so that was a deer that was a flyer buck that came into the area, you know, just cruising, and was there one spot in October, obviously, Late season was in the same kind of area, area, not really consistent on that food, but just hitting it every now and then, um, kind of, kind of making that, that circle, you know, that nighttime circle, feeding circle, and then had his rut zone, had a scrape area, and then had the spot, you know, that he was actually killable, which was the area that I was, um, was this deer in daylight? You know, more, I'm sure he was multiple times. Like I said, I got him November 30th in daylight in that pinch. I may have seen him cruising a field as one of those spots where you get a binos on him as a deer running the rain away, chasing a doe. Um, 
after that first encounter and like maybe the fifth, sixth of November. Um, but I was on, a, I ended up passing another deer and that deer had a doe peg down there. And then this buck came through the thick stuff, bumped the doe out. And then there was a chase across the field. And I didn't get a real good look at the deer other than I couldn't make a lot of movement because that other buck and doe were pretty close to me. Um, and that was a buck that a lot of people said I should have shot, but I passed a couple solid deer last year trying to to get to just shoot what i wanted you know not anything that was absolutely giant but just just what i wanted um but the funny thing is is how i got on jojo was i seen a deer in that little pinch point when i was hanging cams off my four-wheeler and uh that was a deer that i thought that was fred i thought i was going to kill fred in october he was pretty consistent um that was the same thing. That was a buck that was in that area, in that bachelor group with Jojo, that when the rut hit, Fred never came out. Um, never got a picture of him, <coughs> excuse me, the whole entire year, um, except that September, October time frame. Um, and never did see that deer again. And I hunted that, like I said, I hunted it late season for gun, hunted late season bow, um, there was one buck that was really consistent daylight, um, and almost shot him with my boys in the blind. November 7th, he was daylight right in front of my blind. Um, I can't remember what day I was out there with my boys, but the neighbor ended up killing him. Just goes to show you, November 8th is when I had that encounter with that other buck, and then he ran out. <clears throat> so that just goes to show you, those bucks that are daylight, you know, a couple times on cam, they're probably more consistently daylight in the area um than the other bucks but i had a really good set that november 8th um so i'm looking forward to hunting that area some more but i'm going to hunt this farm completely different next year after kind of saving it for october i might throw some sets really close to where i think jojo was bedding in october if we get a little cold spell and try to instead of trying to save him for that you know late october november time period and hunt other deer during that time and kind of not burn this property, but not save it for gun season, not save it for the rut because I'm not the only person that hunts this property and it's extremely heavily pressured during this time, not alone with just me, but the neighbors as well. Lots of trespassing on this property. Farmers completely okay with it. Um, so not much I can do or say there. So I'm kind of gonna hunt it fairly harder in October and save some of the other good spots for, for later in the year. But, um, that's the story of Jojo, man. It's, it's a, the big buck breakdown of him. He's one of those deer that is he killable most definitely, but he's a flyer buck. And like I said, I believe he was four. So maybe when he's five, his core area shrink a little bit. Maybe he'll be more in my area. Maybe he'll be less in my area. Um, I can't do any food plots or anything like that to, hold the does to push him in this area, but I can fire up that scrape again and get him back on that scrape, hopefully next year. And then also run a camera in that pinch. It will be beans this year instead of corn. So maybe that'll help me out and give me a little bit more, uh, a little more intel. Um, I haven't had a, a crop switch year, so it might be completely different, um, but he's not going to have that cover that he did early in the year, you know, in October, like he did when that corn was standing. Um, but he, you know, it might be a deer that likes the beans better. I've seen it where they're consistently in the beans and maybe it's something I can slip in there early and get it done on. Uh, but that's, that's the thing about it. I always say it takes 
two or three years of me hunting a buck before I really get an idea of, of uh, what how I can kill him. And uh, I'm really excited to see him next year because he was that a that he was that frame that was like, oh man, he's really really good, but needs a little mass or needs a little width or you know just needs a little bit more, and then he's, he'd be great. So excited to get back on him, but man, I had like. 10, 12 trail cam videos of him, multiple trail cam pictures. Uh, like I said, it was only on those two cameras. <clears throat> so I know if I target that deer, those are the two cameras I'm going to have the most success on. Um, so those would be the two that either want to run a mobile on or I want to uh, be able to pull those cams fairly easy without bumping deer. Um, so this will be a deer that I am hunting next year. I will be changing up the strategy um, like I said, and hunting him harder earlier during that October time frame when he was most frequently on my cams. Cause like I said, after that November 2nd, I did not get another picture of this deer, no encounters of that deer, unless it was that buck that I seen on the 8th of November chasing a doe. But, um, I feel like he got locked up with those pretty quick and was out the game. He is one of the bigger uh, rack sized deer in the area. There's only one deer bigger than him that I had on cam. Um, so sure he's pretty high in the breeding list being a you know a really solid five four or five year old buck but like i said excited to see what he does next year and uh, that will be my strategy for him run those two cams get the intel um probably not hang any sets for him uh, just mobile hunt this deer and hunt that water pinch during that time frame and try to catch him slipping through there and realize on that north south wind what he's going to do if he's north he's going to be hugged that water pinch if he's south I might have to get off those scrapes and hunt the edge of that field to be able to make the opportunity or at least get closer to that field where I have more um, shooting you know, available, more open shooting lanes instead of being right on top of that scrape um, trying to get him there. But more than likely, he'll go right to the scrape <laughs> since I'm out on the edge of the field. That's just how hunting goes. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this big buck breakdown. I would highly suggest you going back through, digging through your intel, making a list. I create albums in my phone of the said buck, all the trail cam pictures, and then that helps me with that annual data as well um, and uh, to see if they do do the same things over and over and over and kind of connect the dots piece to piece over the lay of the property and understand where the cams were and where I got them um, and where I encountered them. So, Hope you guys enjoyed. As always, thanks for tuning in all the way to the end. Short episode this week. Um, I suggest you break down a big buck that you're after. Spend some time with him. thinking about what he's doing. Look at your trail cam pictures. Look at your data. Try to make a plan now um, of what you can do. And then get your intel and add to that plan as the year goes on when you start collecting that those trail cam pictures and that data. Appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Love you guys. Like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And White to Legacy is out until we're coming in your ear holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time.